Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Jerry Wexler, I do know that name. Jerry Wexler was the main talent scout and main talent procure of Atlantic Records. Okay. And he decided that this little nothing place in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, was where the magic happens. Class is in. Well, this is the Rock School Radio Show here on the Rock School Radio Network. I'm Joe Burns. You are... Tammy Burns. Tammy Burns, where are you from? Not when you were Tammy Burns, when you were maiden named Tammy Owens. Where are you from? Alabama. Alabama, but where specifically Alabama? Uh, North Alabama. Okay, I'm going to keep trying. Where specifically, specifically Alabama? You mean like Hackleburg? Hackleburg, Alabama. Uh-huh, home it of is, Sunny Jays. It is literally a dot on the map. There's well, it not was. much to it. Yeah, it got blown away by the same run of tornadoes that took out, um, what was it, the uh, University of Alabama yep. all through that area? Yep, yep, yep. That is about four. 40 miles from the town where we met, mm-hmm. Florence, Alabama, home of 107.3 WQLT, the sound of the Shoals. Yeah. The Shoals are made up of four cities, Muscle Shoals, mm-hmm. Florence, Tuscumbia, and Sheffield. Right. Muscle Shoals should have rung a bell with people. So when you're going to Florence from Hackleburg, you have no choice but to drive through Muscle Shoals. Well, you have to do it, yes. And after Nashville, it is easily the music capital of the South. This little nothing town that if you didn't know major, major songs were recorded in it, you would never know it as you drove through it. Dude, there is something in the water there. Something in the air, yeah. Fame and Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. Technically, it's in Sheffield, but it literally is a heartbeat away from Muscle Shoals. In that area is a group of people, a group of musicians who made up the house band at Fame and then went and opened their own, the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. Some people call it the Muscle Shoals Recording Studio, but that's not correct. They are known as the Swampers. Yeah. And when you think of the Swampers, my Mm -hmm. guess is you think of the Leonard Skinner tune, Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama. That states... Muscle Shoals has got the Swampers. Yes, indeed. I don't know why it took me so long to do this show because it was a while back. I think it was last summer. We went back to Muscle Shoals to visit your sister. Mm -hmm. And then I took the tour of Fame Studios. And I took the tour of Muscle Shoals Sound Studios. And I got the whole story of how on earth this little tiny blip in the northwestern corner of Alabama became the music capital of the South 
probably following Nashville. Exactly. So what I'd like to do today, since it's from you, since that's where you are. And well, yeah. You are the reason I love that area. Mm-hmm. I would like to tell you the story of Fame Studios. I would like to tell you the story of Muscle Shoals Studios. And I would like to tell you the story of the Swampers because it is wonderful. Rock and roll, man. Let's play the song by Leonard Skinner. They got the Swampers here on Rock School. Sweet Home Alabama. If if you've never driven through Alabama, when you come in on major interstates, it says on the big blue sign. Yes, it does. Sweet Home Alabama, welcome center two miles. And it's always a very nice restroom, isn't it? It is. It's very nice. Now, my question is, Mm -hmm. why on earth Muscle Shoals, Alabama? Because isn't there Birmingham? Isn't there Tuscaloosa? Isn't there things down in the, you know, in the Gulf side of it? Why on earth this little tiny blip, which at the time in the 60s was still a cotton farming area? Why there? Had nothing to do with Helen Keller, huh? No, it didn't. Who was in Tuscumbia? Wawa. Wawa. In fact, you can still visit the water pump that she did. But back to our topic. Ivy Green. The reason... It's in Muscle Shoals is mm-hmm. because Rick Hall lived in Florence. That's the dude. What? Let's follow it. Fame Studio. It was called Fame Studio because it stood for Florence, Alabama, Music Express. And before it was a studio in Muscle Shoals, it was this little nothing place on top of a drugstore in Florence, Alabama. Yes, indeed. And that's where you and I met. The studio was put together collecting all this stuff from a pawn shop. There was a pawn shop about four stores away, Mm -hmm. and they would just wait for wayward musicians to go get money to pay their rent, (laughs) and they'd wander down there and they'd pick up their stuff. That's literally how it was put together. It moved to an abandoned tobacco warehouse, Mm -hmm. which I'm assuming they decided because of its physical size, it had a good reverb response. 
A guy comes in, his name is Arthur Alexander. He records a song called You Better Move On back in 1961. We may play it later, but I'm not interested in it right now. Okay. It makes enough money for this fella, Rick Hall, to go buy the plot of land at 603 East Avalon Avenue, right behind Biscuit Village. Yes, indeed. The best biscuits in town, and I have eaten there. And what he did was built a recording studio Uh with this money. Then it starts to take off. A fella named Jimmy Hughes records a song called Steal Away inside of the studio. It becomes Rick Hall's first national top 40 hit, and people begin to notice. Right. And that's where we take off from there. There is no Muscle Shoals Sound Studio yet. There is only fame. Right. And by the way, fame is still alive. Absolutely. I'll tell you about it in a bit. Biscuit Village is gone, though. I know. That breaks my heart. sad? Best catfish in the South. The biscuits were the size of a plate. Loved it. And they always came with about seven different homemade jams. And they said, sugar, can I get you some more coffee, honey? Jimmy Hughes, Steal Away on Rock School. I've got to see you. Jimmy Hughes, Steal Away, it's the money that begins to keep Fame Studio open and all of a sudden, because there is, quote, magic in the air, this building, this building in the middle of a town that barely exists at this point in time, it's much larger now, but this this town that across the street is literally a cotton farm right? where people are in the fields plucking cotton. They were. When I toured these two buildings, one of them made the statement that it was really weird that these major names, and I'll tell you who they are in a little bit, would go out on the back porch to have a cigarette. Uh Uh-huh. And while they're having a cigarette, they'd look over and they'd go, are are those people picking cotton? Is that cotton? Yes, they are. Where do you think your shirt comes from? Great cotton grown in North Alabama. Didn't your grandmother and grandfather plant cotton oh, they had a they had a cotton farm until they couldn't do it anymore and then right. i think your grandfather sold fruit no well they sold it initially to soybeans mm-hmm. and then they had uh what pine trees and they sold those and then they ended up selling the land and then they he sold fruit yep interesting huh the studio becomes a draw specifically for R&B musicians that wanted the sound. You've got Otis Redding, Wilson Pickett, Clarence Carter, Solomon Burke. These are major, major people. Hall claimed that the reason he succeeded, let's remember, this is the 60s. 
This is the Deep South. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hall made the statement that one of the major reasons he succeeded was that unlike other studios in the South, he could not have cared less about your race. Yeah. It's not that he embraced or anything. He could care less. The question was, can you pay the studio fee? Right. Yes? Then come on in. And those who could pay the studio fee, no matter what they looked like, he brought them in. Now, look, by the time I toured this place, mm -hmm. Fame Studios, he, Rick Hall, was already dead, but I had the most wonderful 15-minute conversation with his widow. Oh, yeah? And that's what she said. She said, we never allowed any kind of hate inside the walls of the studio. Mm -hmm. What went on outside, we had no control over. Right. But when people came into this building, everybody was equal, everybody was good, and there was no concern with what you looked like, sounded like, such. Could you pay the money? Yes. And if you could, we made you sound as good as we possibly could. Now, I'm paraphrasing her. Yeah. But that's what she said. Cool. And I think that's wonderful. Producer Billy Killian brings down a fellow by the name of Joe Tex. Leonard Chess, as in Chess Records, encourages Etta James to record there. And she made her 1967 hit, Tell Mama, right at Fame Studio. Now, you think that Jimmy Hughes' Steal Away did something? Tell Mama by, believe it or not, Etta James... That was national, national, big hit, the whole schmeal. And people then, I mean, a, a few of them turned and went, what was that? Once Etta James had a hit out of this really? place. Really? That's what happened, huh? Look the heck out. Then it explodes. Here's Etta James recorded at Fame Studios here on Rock School. Talking about Fame Studio and Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, once again, I had the ability to talk with Rick Hall's widow, the guy who started Fame Studios. Mm -hmm. And when I say talk to her, I'm probably overselling it. What happened was we were visiting your sister in Muscle Shoals, and I went and visited the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio, which went defunct and has come back and is now, it's a tourist trap. There's but, no two ways about it. But they're very humble people. Oh, I agree. She, she was more than willing to give you time and talk about her story. Not just me, but multiple people. And mm -hmm. what was interesting, there was a, a downtown sort of um, hurrah for fame studio and they right. had all these people come back and such so that's what they were doing that day the fact that they even had tours kind of shocked me i know right and they were recording a special whatever it was a year, tribute right right anniversary and they had just recorded steven tyler of aerosmith playing 
uh, Brown Sugar. Goodness. Which was recorded at Fame Studios. But anyway, Rick Hall's widow came in and spoke to us. That's when she made the statement that, look, we didn't care what you looked like. Mm -hmm. Could you pay the fee? Yeah. And if you could, come on in. The other thing she pointed out, and this got the biggest laugh out of everybody, because it wasn't just me. It was multiple people. We all got to ask her questions. But somebody made the statement about the house band, which is not yet known as the Swampers. Okay. It's just the fame house band. Mm -hmm. What they, they generally call themselves the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, but the fame house band is what they really were. And she made the statement to them, what was really funny is when these uh, R&B singers would come down from Chicago, or they would come down from St. Louis, or they would come down from Nashville. Right. They had heard all of these songs before, and they expected, with this welcoming you know, way mm-hmm. that the house band would be three, four, or five African-American exactly. men. The problem was they were as white as white people could be. They were Barry Beckett on keyboards, Jimmy Johnson on guitar, Roger Hawkins on drums, and David Hood on bass. Now, there was a fellow named Pete Carr, and we'll talk about him a little bit later, and Spooner Olham on organ and piano. They were brought in if specific things were done. Pete Carr actually did the guitar part on Main Street by Bob Seger. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened was, by 1967, it was solidified, and Rick Hall had hired them. Don't gig. Don't do anything. If somebody shows up at 10 o'clock at night, you got to get down here exactly. and do this. This is your job. And it's one of these things where he talked about these stories, or she talked about these stories, where these R&B people would walk in, uh-huh. and they'd say, okay, where's the band? It's these fellas. What? No way, right? Where did you get all this funk? Ain't no soul here. Where did you get this wonderful? And that's the funny part. There are documentaries that show this, and they laugh about it as well. Once word got out, uh, again, there was magic in the air of the room. So how did that happen? What, What did they look like? Who cares? They make hits. So, who's listening to us on the Rock School Radio Show? W-O-U-B, Athens, Ohio. Excellent. Back in a minute here on Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break, I keep talking about the idea that national people come down. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Jerry Wexler is? Jerry Wexler. I do know that name. Why? Jerry Wexler was the main talent scout and main talent procure of Atlantic 
Records. Okay. And he decided that this little nothing place in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, was where the magic happens. His first drag down. You were going down here. Come mm-hmm. on. I don't want to go down there. Yes, you do. Come on down. Was Wilson Pickett. Oh, yeah. And in two different get-togethers with these guys. Because, again, you walk in the studio. Where are the African-American musicians? Who are these guys? Oh, who are these white guys, huh? Think about Mustang Sally. Ooh, nice. Think about Funky Broadway. And think about Land of a Thousand Dances. Oh, yeah. You know it only took one or two sessions before everybody trusted everybody. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Jerry Wexler went, I got to go get more people. That's when it starts to explode. Wilson Pickett, Land of a Thousand Dances, uh, here on Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break, we're going to try to get to the bottom of the hour with another song. Obviously, with Jerry Wexler, all kinds of people were brought down. And if you go into Fame Studios, you will see gold record after Uh gold record after gold record. It's one of these where they're just sort of stacked up in the closet because it got ridiculous. Yeah. Obviously, you had Wilson Pickett. But the one, and and Arthur Conley, by the way, do you like good music? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was produced by Otis Redding, Mm -hmm. who also recorded there. Percy Sledge did When a Man Loves a Woman there. Uh But there's a wonderful story about how this woman who was, her father was a preacher. He had had success with his albums of him preaching, and she wanted to be a singer. Oh, yeah? She was dragged down by Jerry Wexler, her name Aretha Franklin Aretha Franklin yes, I was indeed. hoping you'd jump Uh-oh. in and do it there's a wonderful story where the four of them are there Barry Beckett Jimmy Johnson Roger Hawkins and David Hood there was mm-hmm. this song they didn't know what it was I never loved a man the way that I love you right love you right now what you have is these guys trying to figure it out. We got it. We know the melody. Uh And there's a wonderful story about the three of them listening to keyboardist Barry Beckett play. And if you go to Fame Studios, they'll show you the keyboard. Right. That's the one right there that Beckett played that on. And you had that bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. Dude. And the story goes that the other three men said to Aretha Franklin, Barry's got it. And that's where the song came together. Did they know it was magic? I wish I understood that story. I wish I understood as a professional musician. Did Journey know that Don't Stop Believing was Don't Stop Believing? Do or you did feel they? It or Do no? You know? Does Billy Joel know when he's going to number one? I'm sure he knows this is a better song. But do they know? Or is it basically throw it out and hope the audience likes it? God, I hope not. I don't know. I never loved a man. Aretha Franklin here on Rock School. You're no good, heartbreaker. 
Okay, welcome to the bottom of the hour, a little bit late. Now look, we're making it sound like everything was sunshine, roses, lollipops, and rainbows. It wasn't? And that Fame Studio was on Gumdrop Lane. It wasn't? No, it's music. If you're not arguing or fighting, you're not doing it correctly. If you don't have pain, you have nothing, right? That's, that's right. A split is about to happen. No, it is not. Now, we just praised their playing behind Aretha Franklin. Mm -hmm. However, it's Aretha Franklin and that other fella, Jerry Wexler, who means the split between the two. And I again, I told you, I got to talk to Rick Hall's widow. Yes. She still seemed very angry. Yeah, she about was. About the fact that these four men split. She is ticked off, absolutely. It seemed that way, didn't it? She's going to take it to the grave, dude. But first, I am Joe Burns. You are? Tammy Burns. Let's do seven days and 70 seconds. These are the rock and roll dates. September 2nd all the way through September 8th. You got Monday, baby. Go. September 2nd, 1987. Sonny Bono announces his run for mayor of Palm Springs. He wins. September 3rd, 1970. Canned Heat. Frontman Alan Wilson commits suicide and joins the 27 Club. September 4th, 2002, Kelly Clarkson wins the first American Idol. September 5, 1946, happy actual birthday, Farouk Balsara, Freddie Mercury. September 6, 1974, George Harrison launches his Dark Horse record label. September 7th, 2003, Warren Zevon passes away of cancer. And then September 8th, 1955, and I have to believe this date is suspect, mm -hmm. but Chuck Berry does his duck walk for the first time. The story goes that he was hiding wrinkles and a flaw in his suit and learned that walk by cleaning up hair in a salon no. when he was young. It's a great story. I love it. I can't imagine there's a tremendous amount of truth to it. No. Okay, let's split them. What, right right yes. now, there's only Fame Studios. Right. And the Muscle Shoals recording people are in there, and it's beautiful, but there's a split. Here's how the story goes. Mm -hmm. And once again, you're, you're getting from me the public story. Is it true? Let's pretend 50-50, but which this side is are the you story. Getting again? It, you're getting both. Okay. But let's... Let's take it with a grain of salt. Okay. It says here, the people who were the house band of fame were being paid scale and they wanted to make more money because they were creating huge hits. Big hits. To which Rick Hall said, no, you got to realize, look, this is all being distributed by Atlantic and such. I have nothing to do with that. Right. I am paid my fee mm -hmm. to record the song. Then they take the song and go make jillions of dollars. There's nothing we can do. And this... a lot of songs were making a lot of money. Exactly. But again, this is what his wife, his, his widow said. Look, we got paid to record the songs. We didn't get a percentage of what it sold. Right. And they wanted to gig around town to make more money. Mm -hmm. And Rick Hall said, no, I can't have you gigging around. If you're doing a gig downtown... And Arthur Connolly shows up. You got to get up, get down here, and play the music. Okay? They wanted more money. Then it happened. It says here, Jerry Wexler was the guy who financed the original Muscle Shoals Sound Studio in Sheffield. Why? 
The story goes that during a recording session with Aretha Franklin, a horn player, not part of the Swampers, and again, okay. they're not the Swampers yet. Right. Somebody who was a horn player brought mm -hmm. in, made sexual comments, and got all handsy with her. Okay? She left the studio like she should have. Right. And the player was fired like he should have been. Yeah. That night, it's said that Rick Hall went to the hotel mm -hmm. to smooth things over and a fist fight brought out. Goodness. He and Jerry Wexler apparently started punching each other around. <laughs> that was the split. So the reason there is Fame Studios mm -hmm. and there is, and again, it's defunct, but at the time, the Muscle Shoals Recording Studio, which had the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio inside of it, mm -hmm. the reason is because vengeance and money. How wonderfully Shakespearean. It's, it's biblical, isn't it? <laughs> it is. We're going to play one more. We'll get back tell you what happened with that. Sweet Soul Music, Arthur Conley, right here on Rock School. There was Fame Studio. Mm -hmm. There was not the Muscle Shoals Recording Studio, which contained the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. However, Jerry Wexler was angry at what happened with Aretha Franklin, and these guys who were playing for Fame were not making enough money. Wexler said to them, hey guys, why don't you go out on your own? I will help bankroll this thing and you can start picking it up. In April of 1969, the Muscle Shoals Recording Studio was opened. It was a, a concrete block building at 3614 Jackson Highway in Sheffield. That matters. Yes. They weren't in Muscle Shoals. They were, believe me, you could throw a rock hard and hit Muscle Shoals. But I remember I was trying to get into Fame Studios and I couldn't. And I came back to your sister's place and she said, why? Okay, Fame's closed. Go to the Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. Right. Where's that? And she gave me a general idea. Mm -hmm. I drove right past it because there's no way these unbelievable songs came out of this No place. way, huh? It was a former coffin showroom. And the reason I know the address of it, 3614 Jackson Highway, is because it was the name of Cher's first solo album. Are you sure? I'm dead serious. And it was played with these guys who will soon be the Swampers. We're not even at the Swampers yet. Oh my goodness. And if you look up Cher's first album, mm -hmm. it shows her in front of the building with the people who played, with Jerry Wexler, and Sonny Bono is there as well. No way. I'm going to show it to you as soon as we're done do with it. this break. I'll do tell it. you what. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play you about 20 seconds of Cher's. It was the first single. It didn't do anything, but at least you know the song. So okay. you get to hear what her first solo stuff sounded like. Perfect. So about 20 seconds and then straight into the break. Here we go. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly there's a man with a gun over there Telling me I've got to beware It's time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down 
Okay, coming out of the break. Now, Cher's first solo album did not do anything. I'm sure. None whatsoever. That didn't stop people from coming in. The Rolling Stones cut brown sugar in the studio. Mm, Now, mm. it was just them. The Swampers weren't there. The big hit Mm -hmm. that made the Swampers alive, which made people go, wow, Uh this is the magic is still there, is R.B. Greaves, take a letter, Maria, address it to my wife. Now, if you tour this place, the Muscle Mm -hmm. Shoals Recording Studio, there's a bathroom right in the middle of the studio. I mean, right next to the drum kit where the piano sits. Now, there's a door, obviously. Come on, who would do that? And the story goes that Richards, Keith Richards, while they were were recording Brown Sugar, walked in and sat down in the bathroom not to use it, but he brought an acoustic guitar, and that's where he wrote Wild Horses. Are you serious? That's the story. Now, here's the question again. Why are they called Swampers? They get named Swampers. Most people are of the opinion that they were named the Swampers because of Leonard Skinner. Not at all true. Okay. They were named the Swampers when they were working with producer Denny Cordell during a recording session for Leon Russell. And these four, again, white guys, as as white as me or you... We're able to put together, quote, funky, soulful, southern swamp sound. And Denny Cordell said, you guys should be called the Swampers. Mm-hmm. The story goes, and this only comes from the fella from Northern Alabama University who yeah, said, yeah, yeah. you know, that they didn't like it. They thought it was dumb. They wanted mm-hmm. to continue being called the Muscle Shoals, you know, recording studio and all that. When Leonard Skinner came in and did it. That's when they started to like it because somebody had it. And speaking of Leonard Skinner, and by the way, if you go on this tour, they will play this for you. Uh-huh. Leonard Skinner had a keyboard player. It was not Billy Powell. Really? Who Billy, was it? I don't I have no idea what his name is. Billy Powell was acting as their roadie. Right. He was the roadie for the band. Exactly. He was one of them. Mm-hmm. The story goes that the guys in Leonard Skinner split. Mm-hmm. They had lunch or something, probably went to Biscuit Village. And he, Billy Powell, sat down and said, can you record this? And he recorded it. And he said to the band when they came back, this is how, you know, I'm, I don't hope I'm not overstepping my bounds. Exactly. Or this is how I think it should happen. Billy Powell was a classical trained piano player. So he played this and apparently Van Zant looked at the current keyboardist oh, and yeah. said, take a walk. That's right. You're done. Ooh. That's exactly how it'll happen. And again, they'll play that piece for you when you come to the studio. Oh my gosh. All right, we got to play something. Take a letter, Maria. This is the one by R.B. Greaves that made MSSS Muscle Shoals Sound Studio what it was here on Rock School. Last night as I got home, about a half past in, there was a woman I thought I knew in the arms of another man. Kept my cool, I ain't no fool Let me tell you what happened then I packed some clothes and I walked out And I ain't going back again So take a letter, Maria I trust her to my wife Say I won't be coming home Gotta start a new life Maria I trust her to my wife Say I won't be coming home Gotta 
the Muscle Shoals recording studio, which held the Muscle Shoals sound studio, it becomes sort of the premier rock area. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Leonard Skinner was there. Obviously, the Rolling Stones were there. I've said that already. J.J. Kale, Joe Cocker, Millie Jackson, Johnny Rivers, Mary McGregor, Linda Ronstadt, Mavis Staples, Rod Stewart. Yes, indeed. Did Tonight's the Night. And a lot of what we heard when I Mm -hmm. did this tour was that no, they wouldn't mix it. No, they wouldn't master it. The purpose there was to be with musicians who understood what you wanted. Then the tracks, what really are called the stems, mm-hmm. would be taken somewhere else to be sweetened and mixed and turned into a final piece. Yeah. Bob Seeger did a tremendous amount of recording there. Catman Do, Main Street, Old Time Rock and Roll. And this is one of the fun things. Mm-hmm. The guitar that played Main Street is hanging up on the wall. (gasps) And this is why you... Did you touch it? No, it was behind glass. Oh, God, I love it. This is why you hire or make the the payment Mm -hmm. to a place like this. So you have the person you trust. So I have this song, and you say to the person, here it is, and that person is smart enough to go, okay, I'm going to put a lead. How do you even figure that out as a musician? Come on. I wish I knew, you know? Now, look, Fame Studio is still there. It is still an operating studio. If you wish to go in, they have the same rule that they did before. Can you pay the fee? Yes, yes, I can. Come on in and you get on the machinery. And Now, again, fame is still working. The Muscle Shoals recording studio falls into complete disrepair. Why? Because the Swampers leave and they go to a high-end studio. However, it seems like they left the magic. Yep. It seems like they left the magic. Totally. And this building goes into disrepair. Mm-hmm. I remember I wanted to go see it, and your sister told me where it was. Mm-hmm. I drove right past it because there's no way this brick building, and it's not right. even brick. It's that gray cinder block. Stuff, right? And I, I finally stopped, and when I paid the guy to take me on a tour, somebody who was from your university, University Northern North, Alabama. Thank you. The Lions, right? Oh, thank so, you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. He showed us all around, mm-hmm. and, and, and when you walk in, and again, the studio's there and all that, but the basement is really interesting. You enter through the basement, which is, it's like in an embankment, so you enter in the back of the thing. It, it's just a wood-paneled room, and there are album after album after gold, what have you. Goodness. They had a, a real copy of the Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers, which had the zipper on the no. front. And I was allowed to touch it. No, don't even, let... No! I even said to the guy, what the heck are you doing Let no. me play with this? He said, oh, we got other ones. <gasps> Here's oh. the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. Sheffield at the time, again, they weren't in Muscle Shoals. They yeah, were in yeah, Sheffield. Yeah. Sheffield at the time was a dry city. Yes, it was. So when you got down there, he gave us his little spiel. We watched Mm -hmm. a little video and all that. It's a tourist trap. 
And he said, now, let me show you something interesting. Mm -mm. And he went over to, because it's all with terrible wood paneling. He walks over and presses a certain space. No. And it opens up to this magnificent speakeasy. Oh, my gosh. Which I'm sure it's not in use anymore, but they have it well stocked with alcohol, bottle after bottle, and beer. There's a record player there. There's a tape recorder player there. There's there's, uh, a couch and chairs and if any John Law, any of Alabama's best with the mirrored sunglasses yes, showed up, they'd walk out, sit down, and then push the door closed. Oh, my gosh. Now, come on. It had to stink like booze. But what are you going to do? I have to believe that the people of Sheffield, I guess, told John Law, look, these people are spending a lot of money in our right. town. Let's, let's Back in, off, dude. Unless they're doing something stupid, let's not do it. So there you go. I wanted to... Because... Your life started there. Our life together started there. And I went to tour them. I wanted to tell the, the story of Fame Studio and the Muscle Shoals Recording yeah, Studio. Yeah, and we, we worked in radio there. That's right. We worked for Sam Phillips. That's the right. The radio station you and I met at uh-huh. was owned by Sam Phillips, yes, the was. man who first recorded Elvis Presley. He was wonderful. I only met him twice, but I spent a lot of time with his son. We uh-huh. went out to dinner and not me, but like the disc jockeys. The only thing that that I wish I had done, and I just felt like it wasn't my place, but things I wish I had done, I wish I had walked down to the basement of the radio station, picked up two or three Sun records, and had him sign them. It it seems strange because we didn't want to make him feel uncomfortable. Right. Exactly that. He would have probably loved it because that's who he was. Right. He liked fame. Yeah. But... To us, it seemed like we were going to make him feel uncomfortable, right? Yeah, he's gone now, and I could have had that, but I did not. You know not, what? So. It's okay. Yes, it is. All right, we're done. I'm Joe Burns. I'm Tammy Burns. That's it. Class is dismissed. Dismissed.